Welcome to another inspirational message from Church on the Rock Pile. Thank you for listening. And if you would like more information, you can visit us at www.therockchurch.co.za. Hi, everyone. I'm so glad you've joined us today. Just to let you know, this is part two of Moving Forward Financially. Last week, I set up the foundation for this message. Last week was how to get your house in order. And so I'm going to continue that today. You can find part one on our archives. Now, I love home building programs on TV. I recently watched one where they built a home in the mountains and had to fly everything in by helicopter. And if you looked at the house from one angle, it looked like this tiny box that you could only fit a double bed in it. And you like think, why all that trouble? But as the camera moved around, you could see down the side of the house and it was really big. It was massive. So from one angle, it looked one way and from the other, it looked completely different. And today I want to move your perspective. As it is said, you know, there are two sides to every coin. Have you heard that? And so here's some free advice for you. There are also two sides to every story. Don't take the Facebook post at face value. That's free advice. And so I want to go back to the parable from last Sunday and pray that that was helpful. I really do. And uh, we looked at how overwhelming financial stress does not need to be part of your life as you move forward. God doesn't want that anxiety for you. And I've spoken how to get your house in order. But if I was to only show you that point of view and not the other side as well, I would be negligent. Last week, I gave you three principles from the parable, but there was one that I left off. So I'm going to give it to you today. And so if, you, if you're uh, excited, if you're ready, then say off to me. My heart's open. My mind's ready. I won't be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to Luke 12 once again, reading from verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, that's Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, keep me out of your family drama. Or man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. You are not what you make. Your value is not found in your portfolio. Verse 16. And he told them this parable. The ground, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. The ground produced it. It came from God. Verse 17. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Man, that's a good strategy. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. He's like, look at what I've accomplished. Verse 20. But God said to him, you fool. It's a bad day when God calls you a fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Why? Then you will get what you have prepared for yourself. This is how it will be with who? Who? Anyone. Anyone who stores up things for who? For himself, but is not rich towards God. This is how it will be with anyone. Anyone who does what? 
who is looking out only for himself but isn't rich towards God. I want to talk about what does it look like to be rich towards God. What does it look like? It's living generously. Did you hear me? It's having a generous life. And some of you are already, here we go again. I bet you it'll be all about money. Or you're thinking, oh Lord, I've got my friend to sit with me here to watch this online service. And, and you're pulling this message out today. Oh, as I said last week, I don't want anything from you. I just want you to have what Proverbs says in Proverbs 11. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. I want you to have a large world, not a small life, not a small-minded little small world. And the Bible says the way you get larger is by being a generous person. So I'm going to talk about generosity. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you some principles that ask you some questions. And then you go and you talk to God about it. You ask God, God, what am I supposed to do? This is not about getting from you. We have such a generous church. I want to thank you for, for your contributions to online. But I truly want you to have a large world. I want everything for you. But you need to know there are two sides to the coin. You can manage your resources, you know. You can manage it in the best way you can and still lose at the end of the day because you didn't live a generous life. And God wants both for you. It's not either or. So what is it, you know, to be rich towards God? In other words, what is generosity all about? And so here are four thoughts, and then I'm going to give you a practical step with me. Number one. Generosity is about order. It's about order. Exodus 13 says this, The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether man or animal. The firstborn is to be consecrated to God. Does that mean they sacrificed their children? No, not at all. They didn't. He's saying, it is to be set apart. It's to be set aside. The word consecrated means set apart as holy unto God. So it's about order. God is saying, I want you to set that apart as holy to me. Why? Because where your treasure is at is where your heart is. And God is after your heart. You know, I'm always amazed when people say to me, Oh, you know, God is after my money. Like you've ever earned enough that God said, man, if only I could get a percentage of that person's earning, you know, for heaven. I mean, it would change the game up here for us. So if he's not after printed paper, think about this. Then he's after something more. Your heart. And generosity is an identifier of your heart. God is saying, I want to be first, not last. Not in the middle or, you know, second place. And I believe that he deserves to be first. The nation of Israel was an agricultural livestock society. This is how they earned the income and provided for their families. And so he says, you know, whenever that sheep or cow has that first one, I want you to consecrate or set it apart for me. 
He didn't say, oh, after you feel like everything is good and comfortable and you have 10, then, you know, go off and consecrate one to me. No. Why? Because it was an act of faith to go, you know, God, before I know that this one will produce another one, I don't know if it will or not, God, God, I'm going to trust you and bring this to you and honor you with this. It's about order. God is a God of order. He does not bless chaos. Did you hear me? And for some of you, the financial struggle that you're having isn't that you're not earning enough. It's what you do with what you are earning. And you live with this anxiety and pressure because you've never put God first in the area of your resources. And if you do, then you're not consistent. And if you don't want to do it here, then I understand, oh, Mark, you know, I don't feel like giving online to, to the rock. That's, that's good. But give somewhere. I just want you to get this into your life. Get your life in order. So here's the question. And you have to wrestle with this because only you can answer it. Is God first? That's my question to you. Is God first? If someone wants to look at your uh, resources and how you use your resources, would it be evident to them that God is first? Only you can answer that. So you need to know it's not only about order, but number two, it's about value. Number two, it's about value. Same chapter, Exodus 13, verse 11. After the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and gives it to you, as he promised an oath to you and your ancestors, he says he wants them to do something. You are to give over to the Lord the first offsprings of every womb. Listen to this. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. This is where it may now start to get a little weird, but I'll explain it to you. But redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. So either way, you've got to give up and redeem every firstborn among your sons. I'm talking about the firstborn belonging to him and you are to bring your first. And then he goes into the sacrificial system. And I want you to see this. A donkey was considered an unclean animal. And an unclean animal could not be sacrificed to God. So whenever the donkey had a firstborn, something else had to be sacrificed to redeem this unclean animal. Stay with me. He says, if you are unwilling to redeem the unclean animal, then you have to break the neck of the donkey. Because either way, the first is coming back to me. That's God. This is a foreshadow, of, and, and it's a picture. It's actually a picture, not only of the generosity he wants from us, but also a picture of what Jesus did. You and I were the unclean animal. We had no hope. So the clean came, the person of Jesus, and died on the cross to redeem you and me. So here is what God is saying. Not only is it about order, but it's about value. Not only do I want your first, but I want your best. And I'll say it again. He deserves our best. He is worthy of our best. You know, your best shouldn't go to your banker or loan company or the chain store or your service provider. You know, no. I'm not saying any of that is bad. It's not. No. It's amoral. You know, 
It, it's what you do with it. And that's important. And God should have your first and your best. What you're saying to God is, I understand what you've done for me. You brought me out when I was unclean and I had no way of cleaning up my life. You sent the perfect lamb of God. Jesus was sacrificed on my behalf so that my filthiness may become righteous in the sight of God. And because of that, I'm going to bring my first. I'm going to bring my best. That is why this thing of a generous life matters because it's about order and it's about value. Look at this text. Exodus 23 says this. Bring the best of the first fruits. God says, I, I don't just want the first. You know, if some of them are spoiled, no, 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 throw them out. I want the best. Look at that first. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soul to the house of the Lord your God. You know, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth. With, say it, say it, wherever you're sitting out there, the first fruits of all your crops. This is the first time that we see that there is a promise that is attached to it. Then, then your barns will be full to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. What you must get is you don't give to get. This isn't a church where you give God one rand and he'll give you ten rand. You know, and, oh, wow, look, this magnified in my pocket. No! Well, Mark, if you have enough faith. No, listen to me. That's all bad theology. God owns everything. He owes me nothing. I'm entitled to nothing. He, he gives me so much grace in my life. If he only had to just save me and he just left me there, that's more grace than I deserve. But he is such a good father that he says, when you are generous, I want to be generous back to you. Because the world of the generous gets larger and larger. And the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. So here's the question. And I want you to ask yourself this question right now. Does God get your best or does he get what's left? Hmm? Does he get your best or does he get what's left? Does he get it on the first of the month or does he get it if there's like something left over at the end? Only you know that. Is God first and does he get what's best or does he get what's left? So it's about order. It's about value. And number three, it's about obedience. Obedience. So what does first and best look like? The Bible tells us in Leviticus 27, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, remember they were an agricultural livestock society, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. In this church, we intentionally say, return and bring your tithe. Return and bring your tithes to the Lord because you cannot give it. Why? You cannot give what doesn't belong to you. So if you borrowed my car and you brought it back to me, and when you came back to me, you said, Mark, man, my wife and I, we have been praying about this issue and we want to give you this car. I'd be like, have you lost your mind? You aren't giving me anything. That's my car. You're just returning it. And some of us approach the offering like that. You know, our tithes. 
God, God, I prayed about it and, and, and I'll give you my tithe. And God is saying, like, you're crazy. I gave you the 100%. All I asked is for you to give me the 10%. Are you with me? So it's a return, not a give. Not only does it belong to God, but a tithe, it says, it is holy to God. It's holy to God. What's a tithe? It's not a deep theological word. It's a mathematical term, which means simply one-tenth. If you earn a hundred rand, then a tithe is ten rand. And Malachi 3.10 in the, in the Bible says it like this. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. Man, that's strong language. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Those are two different things because you return the tithe, but the offering is above that. So you give an offering, but listen to me, I cannot give an offering until I've reached the point of the tithe. He goes on and he says, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. God is saying it's the place of no blessing. You might be sitting there going, what? God's cursing them because they're not tithing? No, no, not at all. They are under the curse, the word of God says. So you have a choice. You can live under the umbrella of God's blessing or you can step out from under it. God didn't force them there. He didn't tell them they have to go there and make them go there. No, you see, you choose that. And anything outside of God's way is a cursed way. Did you hear me? If you don't do it God's way, it's not blessed. He's not saying they're not tithing, so I'm cursing them. No, he says they made the choice to step out from under order. They made the choice to step out from under value. They made the choice to step out from under obedience. And there are consequences to that. Just as if I jumped off a building, there is a consequence called gravity. God doesn't say, oh, I'm going to make them just go splat. No. He says, you choose to try and defy gravity. You chose it. And you don't defy the laws of God. This is a law of God. And yes, you can try and defy it. But if you do, it won't work out in your favor. I promise you. So he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Today, that's just the local church. It was the temple in that day. But it's where you get your spiritual food. Bring all, the whole tithe. Well, pastor, I give 5% online here and I give 2% over there and I give 1% over there. And, and First up, I really am glad that you're generous. But I want to say that this promise that God is about to give, it's only attached to the whole tithe coming into the storehouse. If you want to give an offering to something over and above, I'm all about a generous life. But I don't want you to say, I've given to all these different places and I don't see God working in the way that he said. No, God is only committed to his word and not your opinion or what you think about his word. Don't get frustrated with God when you don't do it exactly the way he wants it. He says, so there may be food in my house. When COVID hit, you, you know, as a church, we could feed 
the poor that were around, there were needs that were in our community. We could take care of people. It was a season of crisis and we could do something because the storehouse had food in the house because of the generosity of faithful people. He goes on and says, and test me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And he goes on and he says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. In other words, your crops will last longer and you will go further because you are under the blessing of the time. I believe wholeheartedly that this in modern days is my geezer will last longer. You know, I don't have to change my tires as often because I'm a tither, because I'm under the blessing. God makes things last longer and God causes things to go further. And so now my question to you is, this is the question. Are you returning to God what is his? Think about it. Only you can answer that. Are you returning to God what is his? It says it's holy to the Lord. It belongs to the Lord. And so if you've just come on line right now, you know, where is that place? This, the storehouse. It's where you get spiritually free. It, 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 it's where you see fruit taking place. It's where you see God moving, where you see people being impacted by the gospel. And I believe the kingdom of God is growing here at the rock. I am biased. I really am towards the fruit of the rock. We preach the gospel. Together we are serving the kingdom of God. We want to see it established. This is good soil. Are you returning to God? What is his? And number four, my number four principle is it's about legacy. Did you hear me? It's about legacy. And I think this is my favorite thought. It is about legacy. In the same chapter, the next verse, where he said, redeem the donkey, etc. It says this, Exodus 13, 14. In days to come, when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Every year they sacrificed the firstborn of the livestock. Every first harvest, the grain from the soil was given back to God. And it says one day your son will get old enough and maybe the conversation will be something like this. Dad, I've been looking at how you do things and I see you do this really weird thing every time a firstborn is born or there's first crops, first harvest. You sacrifice it. Why do you do that? Why don't we just keep it all? You know, we're not rich at all. Why don't, why don't we just store it? Why do we give it away? And God says, when he does, I want you to tell him, with a mighty hand, the Lord delivered me. Your obedience is a testimony to the next generation of the faithfulness of God in your life. It's not just about order. It's not just about value. God, I'm going to give you my best. It's not about obedience, you know, because you asked me, God, I'll do this. Maybe you've been around church and you thought, oh, Mark, what you're talking about, isn't that an Old Testament principle? Well, if it was, why did Jesus teach us to tithe? Why did the apostle Paul say, Give according to the grace that you've been given. <laughs> For me, that sounds way more than 10% because 100% of my sins have been forgiven. It's more than the above it. It's more than the things I've been sharing. It's about your legacy. 
What are you leaving to the next generation? You know, what is so sad is that studies have shown that in the Western culture, the more somebody makes, the less they give. That's sad, but it is a fact. What are you leaving to the next generation in your spiritual legacy? I want my kids to see there was order. You know, Jan and I don't want anything coming out of our account before our tithes. We take this verse very literally. We really do. We don't wait for Sunday, you know. When it gets put in, it goes out. You know, Dad, why do we give all that and over and above with an offering? Because I've got the same testimony, son. Because with a mighty hand, God delivered me. He saved me. He forgave me. He changed me. Why would I not bring my very best? Why would I not bring him my first? Why not bring him what he's worthy of? Here's the question for you to wrestle with in your life. Is your life a testimony of God's faithfulness to the next generation? Is your life a testimony of God's faithfulness to the next generation? What are you teaching your children about how you manage your resources? What are you teaching them about generosity? What are you teaching them about God and his house, the local church? Is your life a testimony? Are you building your own kingdom? Are you building a spiritual legacy? Something that will outlast you and live forever. I want to quickly give you a practical step because everybody can take a step today. And again, I want you to hear my heart. And this is my practical step. Start where you can. Wherever you are, start where you can. And some of you might be watching and thinking, you just taught this whole thing on tithing and now you're saying, start where you can. I'll tell you why. I've wrestled with this for years and I've seen people new to faith, new to walking with Jesus and the pressures of life and, and comparison, the things that I spoke about last week, have found themselves in, in such a financial hole that they walk out of a message on generosity like this, feeling more condemned, feeling more weighed down, more of, I'll never ever be able to do that. You know, here's another area God is disappointed with me. And so I want to say, apply everything we learned last week. Get your house in order, yes. But while you do, start somewhere in generosity towards God. I will say, I do believe the promises are tied to tithing. And I'm talking about tithing to the local church. I want to make that clear. But I also believe if you draw near to God, God draws near to you. And so if he sees your heart is moving in the direction of God, I want to get to that place where it's full obedience. But, but I've got to get some things in order in my life. So what you need to do is start where you can. Don't walk out of here, you know, watching us online. And, and, and when you switch off, you know, feel condemned or whatever it might be. Rather go away saying, I'm going to begin this journey. And even if it's just a baby step, I'm going to take it. If it's just a little jump. I'm going to take it. If it's a full jump, I'm going to take it. I call this your faith building step. You're building your faith. You're believing for God to work. You're stretching yourself. And some of you, you need to take your next step of returning your tithe to God. You've never fully trusted him. You've never fully obeyed him in this area. And you're, you know, I'm going to have to make some adjustments in my budget if I do this. Yes, 
probably for others, the next step in your journey is in building God's house. Because for some of you, you do return the tithe, but God's given you the gift of giving and you can give over and above. I want to say live a generous life. Live larger and larger, not smaller and smaller. I also believe there are kings and priests that are watching me right now. You know, God places them in his house. It's just people that say, we believe we have the gift of giving and we want to give over and above our, our regular giving to accelerate the vision. We want to create a space for people who have the gift of giving. The Bible talks about a list of spiritual gifts and one of them is the gift of giving. And because we don't ever talk about it, I've never spoken about it before, people say, well, where do I fit in? What do I do? I don't know where I fit in. And they think their job isn't holy unto the Lord. When it actually is, it really is. God has given you the ability to create wealth, to accelerate the vision of the kingdom of God. And some people think, oh, I, I, I could just leave the workforce and, and, and I'm going to go and just try and spend more time uh, in the church working for the church. No, no, God has put you where he's put you because of the way you think. You have a strategic mind, you know. You know what you're doing and what you are doing is worship as unto the Lord. And so some of you need to take that step and invest over and above because there is so much to do in expanding the kingdom. Just being online, reaching out. There's so much that we, we need to do. There's equipment we need to get. You know, so I want to just say to you that if you have the gift of giving, you can help accelerate the vision fully. You're not special people, just obedient people. Wherever you are, I want you to take a step. Some of you need to just start where you can. Don't leave with condemnation. You know, leave this online site moving forward, believing that his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Begin again. Begin a new day. Some of you, you've just been, you know, dipping your toe in and, and it's time for you to take a step of obedience. Now, others of you are regular and you are so faithful in your giving to the house of God. Thank you. We are so grateful for having every single one of you faithful tithers. Thank you for your gift to the house of God. So maybe God's going to grow a new muscle in you and give you the gift of giving. You enjoy it. You know, when I talk, something comes alive inside of you. So maybe you need to take a new step. Start where you can, but take a next step and live a blessed life. My heart is for your world to grow larger and larger. Let's pray. Just as we uh, close this meeting online, don't switch off yet. I really believe God's got more for you. And so let's just go into an attitude of prayer. Just contemplate now with me as we as we pray. And I, I, I want us to just, as we're in an attitude of prayer, I want you to ask God, what are you saying to me? God, what are you saying to me? And then question number two, what am I going to do with this? Ask God, God, what am I going to do with this? The Bible says, don't be just hearers of the word, but be doers. Don't just come and get goosebumps and learn some cool verses. No, God wants you to do something with it. What is your step of faith for today? All of us have a step of faith to take. For some of you, the step of faith that you have to take has nothing to do with generosity. It has to do with surrendering your life to Jesus. God's always been after your heart. 
And some of you have never taken that step. And if you're honest, you would say, I'm really feeling far from God, Mark. I, I don't know that I have a relationship with Him. I want you to know Christianity is not about a religion or becoming a member of a church. It's about a personal relationship with a loving God who sent His Son to die on a cross that you and I might have the forgiveness of sins. Our sins separated us from a loving God, but Jesus came to redeem the unclean. He gave His perfect life so that we could know what it is to have the forgiveness of sin. And if that's you and you say, Mark, I know my heart is far from God. Maybe you even walk around with the label of, I'm a Christian, but it's not really real for you. Then today is your day. And if that is you and you say, Mark, I want to make right with God. I want to give him my future. I want to give him my hopes and dreams and make him Lord of my life. Then just pray this very simple prayer after me. Jesus, I need you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. And today I am making you my Lord and Savior. Thank you for a brand new beginning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Man, I'm so glad you made that decision. I'm excited for you. The best I believe with all my heart is yet to come. Stay tuned. Be back same time next week. And until then, share hope, show kindness, and shine Jesus.